0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a nova life, a new life. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading verse 26. We are in a series for this season. We've called Season at Nova, Tis the Season. So me being a creative genius, I thought, let's do a sermon series called Tis the Seasons. I just added an S, people. You're looking at genius. You're looking at genius up here. This is a whole other level. Sermon series, let's add an S to the whole theme for Christmas. Yes, we're done. But the truth is, we're all in different seasons of life. We're in the Christmas season, but how many know that life does not stay the same? The only thing that is constant in life is change. If you don't like change, then life is difficult for you. Just change is a part of life. And you're always going from one season to another, relationally, financially, physically. Even spiritually, there's seasons. And we're talking about the Christmas story and how it relates to the seasons in our life. Luke chapter 1, we start picking up here in verse 26. in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth. A village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That's a great way to greet your wife, by the way. If you're looking for a way to just greet your lovely wife, it's greeting, favored woman. Except you could change that, your husband is with you. Which would explain the next line. Then she'd look at you confused and disturbed. I love that, confused and disturbed. I just feel like a disciple. I feel like I could fit right in the story. So many times when we think God speaks, we think it's going to make sense and it's going to bring peace. Sometimes when God speaks, you can't understand it. I say this many times. If God was small enough for your mind, he wouldn't be big enough for your need. We were looking at a building yesterday. We have no money to buy a building yet, but we are looking at a building. I was sitting in a park looking at a building going, this doesn't make sense. We need a lot of cents and dollars and zeros and... You know, I realize when God speaks and when God speaks to your life so many times, it'll confuse you and disturb you. We don't preach that, do we? When God speaks, it disturbs you. When heaven speaks to your life, sometimes it'll disturb you, make you uncomfortable. It'll just, it won't be usual. I love this. Another verse that says, fear not, because why? Because when God speaks, it's awesome. It's awe-inspiring. And this angel shows up to this woman and he speaks to her and she was confused and disturbed. Dazed and confused. Looking at what is going on right now. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. But you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give, you, will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never. And what kingdom is that? We did a series on the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom that lasts forever. It's a kingdom of power. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the baby will be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth, who became pregnant in her old age, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. Now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Can I tell you, when God does a miracle in your life, it affects people around you. Some people get a rub-off miracle. Literally, you, you have a miracle and it rubs off on them. All of a sudden, they're just like, why is my life blessed? Why is there miracles happening to me? Why? Because when God speaks to you, it's more than just for you. It affects those around you. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left here. That is Mary's way of saying, I'm all in. That's Mary's way of saying, God, if you're in it, I'm for it. Mary says, yes and amen. Let it be in me. And then very famous passage of scripture, John 3.16, says this for God, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. If you're here today and you feel far from God, you don't need to feel judged today. This is not a place of condemnation. It's not a place you're gonna come in going, you don't sing right, you don't dress right, you don't smell right, you don't live right. This is not a place to judge you. It says that God didn't, Jesus didn't come to judge the world. Look at this. It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God wants you to know that he's for you. He's with you. He's he's pulling for you. He's invested. He is interested. He is near to you. God is with you. Today, amen today for the next few minutes I want to, last week we talked on the season of delay that there are seasons in your life where it feels like you're waiting, waiting for things to happen, waiting for opportunity, waiting for relationships, waiting for promotions, waiting for children, waiting for what you feel God has promised and we talked about that this week, I want to talk on this season, the season of deposit, the season of deposit. Let's pray one more time. God thank you for today. God I ask very clearly now, Lord that as we gather around your word, your word does not can't return void. It's not empty. Your word has power today. And God, no matter the, 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 the effectiveness of my speech or the, the, the sobriety of our audience, God, we know your word cuts through every part of our lives. It speaks hope and correction and joy and peace. And we're asking, God, that we would leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said, I love church. Doesn't that sound awkward to say sometimes? Sometimes we have a problem saying that. We're like, yeah, I kind of like my church. Some of you, maybe you felt that way. Like I, some people start complaining about church. You're like, I really like my church. How many like this? Get ready. This is where I'm looking for feedback. How many like their church? Yeah. The rest of you must be from other churches. Okay, all right. We love, we love our church. I love church. I love church culture. There's no other culture on the planet where you can meet somebody for three minutes But because they're a believer and they have this journey with Christ that they're walking through, maybe from another country, another city, another church, and all of a sudden you feel like you've known each other for decades, you have this deep bond. I've never seen anything like the church I love that is generational. I love this is not a young adult church. This is not a senior church. This is not a middle-aged church. It's a generation church. I don't know any other place on the planet where all ages, kids are running through hallways, babies are doing what babies do. We got seniors doing what seniors do. We got middle-aged people doing what they do. We got, we got middle-aged spread going on up here at least. We got stuff going on, but we're a generational church. I love it. But you know, I've realized that sometimes there are some parts of church culture I don't like. I heard some on that one. <laughs> it's amazing. Seasons of deposit. Sowing and reaping. I've seen this abused in church so many times with giving. Now, sowing and reaping and depositing isn't just finances. You, re- you give, you deposit relationally you, with your talents, with your thoughts, with your actions, with your finances. And so many times I've seen churches, church culture, be over the top treating God like a vending machine or a credit card. So many times, he says, man, you, just, you come to God, you give your life to God, you can just name it and claim it. You want that car, you claim, you name it, and you claim it. Ah, you know, they always add an ah to the end. I want that car, ah, you know. Those televangelists on TV, have you seen them? Selling the miracle water, have you seen this? Some of you haven't seen the prayer cloths. I'm like, if you, ah, get my water, ah, today, ah. I'm like, number one, talk with your real voice, right? But they give this water away, if you, if you give them a donation of $100, they'll give you this little thing of water, which you pour over your bills and they will magically go away. I'm thinking, if it works, just pour it over your bills and there's no need for TV. I'm just thinking, right? If it works that well, why would you tell anybody? Just do it yourself, right? But what happens is sometimes we're so far over the top. We're over the top. And, and, and in fact, to be honest, churches delve into manipulation, trying to get people to give more than they afford. Listen, you shouldn't give to the church if you can't pay your rents. If you can't pay your taxes don't give it to God don't rob the government to give it to God And we and we, and we sometimes we, we 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 manipulate people on their emotions and I've seen that happen in culture and it's wrong the other side of the coin is then sometimes we have a poverty spirit and we don't want to talk about giving at all or, or, or depositing of our talents, our finances, because we have a poverty mentality. Go Well, if God's in it, we've got to be poor and we've got to have lousy churches and lousy music, lousy lights. We can't have lights. Lights are of the devil, you know, can't have lights. We've got to be in a cold basement somewhere with old sandwiches. It has to smell like regret in the 70s. Come on, somebody. And we, it's just, we can't have nice things. And we had this other side of the coin. I want to remind you that that's a, just like manipulation over the top is not godly either is poverty. See, God's not against you having nice things. God's against things having you. There's a difference. It's not about you having things; about things having you. But the truth is, it's a truth in, in the Bible. It's a biblical principle that sowing and reaping works. It's a biblical principle. Season of deposit. Today, I want to encourage you today in your relationships, in your thoughts, in your actions, and in your giving, of a season, the power of a season of deposit. It's a powerful season. And so many times people neglect this because they've either been manipulated by a church or because maybe because of greed, they don't don't want to give anything away. And I believe God is robbing you. One thing I'm thankful as a church is we're a generous church. We're a generous church. Can I give you? No, I'm not gonna give that secret away. What we're gonna do on Christmas Experience, I'm not gonna give it away. No, nope, I want to give it away. I'm not good at keeping secrets. I'm not good at watching Hallmark movies either. They're the same thing over and over. Someone's going through town, they get a transfer, their car breaks down, and this one bachelor, extremely good looking bachelor that no one else has noticed, who like orphans kids and fixes things. That was the latest one with Candace Burry. I was watching. And somehow, she's on her way to the big city, but she stops, and then she finds, like, this, her, and I just don't have, enough. <laughs> the best Christmas movie ever, Die Hard. Okay. <laughs> the truth is, sowing and reaping and depositing is a fundamental truth. Life is made of all seasons, but I want to encourage you today the importance of a sowing season, a planting season, a season of deposit. Here's a thought today I want you to write down if you're taking notes, and this will encourage you, is what you keep, if you, what you have, if, if what you keep, that's all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. See, the truth is, you what you keep is all you have, whether that be your talent. Some of you as musicians, or maybe it's your personality and your social giving that you light up a room when you want to and connect. If you keep that to yourself, it's all you have. If it's your finances, if you keep it, that's all you have. That's how much money you have, that's all you have. But when you give your personality, when you give your talents, when you give your finances to God, he multiplies it. It's the fundamental truth. When you keep it, it's all you have. Remember growing up in elementary school, love is like a magic penny. Hold on tight, you won't get any. I remember hearing this song in primary. But God wants you to know there's a power in a season of depositing. Galatians 6, 7 says it this way. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, from the flesh he will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap, for we will not grow weary. See, the Christmas story is a story of sowing. It's a season of deposit. We read the story. You need to understand that this whole miracle of this season and this story started with a season of deposit. God sowed his son. John 3, 16. God so loved the world he gave. He deposited his son. Mary, a partner in this story, deposited her body and her future. This is a story of people understanding the power of deposit. This whole story is hinged on someone starting going, God's going, I so love, I'm going to give. I'm going to deposit into mankind my best, my son. Mary partnered and said, I'm with you. If you're in it, I'm with it. Let it be. I'm going to give my body and my future and my life to this. And she gave in a season of deposit, expecting a return without investing a deposit, isn't called faith. It's called foolishness. i me say that again. Expecting a return without investing a deposit isn't called faith, it's called foolishness. So many people are waiting for a harvest season, a reaping season, relationally, spiritually, financially, and they've never invested. To never put a cent into investments and waiting for a check to show up when you're 65 is not called faith, it's called foolishness. To not put any time into relationships or into your kids when they're growing up and expect them to be around you in your 60s, 70s, and 80s is not called faith. It's called foolishness. Sowing a deposit season. Jesus is our example. He understood the power of seasons of deposit. I love this as I studied this this week. Jesus, I'm not sure if you know this, he had these hidden years. So many people want to be like Jesus, right? We had these bracelets years ago. What would Jesus do? We had these, what would Jesus do? You know what Jesus did? He lived his whole life pretty much hidden just for three years of ministry. We see his birth in the Christmas story. We hear nothing about him, really, after age of two until age 12. He shows up in the temple. He hides and seeks from his parents. They lose him. Some of you feel like you're bad parents. They left their kid at church for three days. Don't do that. Our kids' ministry says don't do that. You have to check your kids in and check them out, right? And then he disappears for 18 years showing back up on the scene at age 30, around age 30, to start his ministry. His hidden, what was he doing in those 18 years of hidden years? He understood the power of a season of sowing, of depositing. He was training. He was learning. He was reading Scripture. He was praying. He was building his spirit. He was building his body. He was building relationships. Did you know this, that they never mentioned Joseph after Luke 2 ever again in Scripture? Have you ever wondered what happened to Joseph, Jesus' father? In Luke 2, it mentions that Jesus is 12 and his father's there, and then his father isn't heard of again. Historians say that they estimate, because of other, other writings and, and people that recorded history, that Joseph died around when Jesus was 16. Jesus uh, had, had siblings, uh, Mary and Joseph, though she was a virgin when Jesus was conceived and born. After that fact, they had more children. The scripture talks about his brothers. So Jesus had younger brothers, and for 16 years, please don't miss this, he put his ministry on hold to take on the responsibility of his family. It says that it says that he would have started his ministry when the youngest sibling was around 16 years of age. Isn't that fascinating? That Jesus understood the power of responsibility and depositing into his family, into his education, into building his character and his obedience, knowing that a harvest was coming based on what he did in the season. His hidden life, providing for his widowed mother and sibling. That's why the Bible says, true and undefiled religion is this, providing for widows and orphans in need. Jesus provided for his widowed mother. I think it's amazing that Jesus became the oldest child in a single parent family, carrying the house financially, relationally, and physically. He learned his father's trade until age 16, and then that's how he provided for his family, being a carpenter. What a man he was. What a role model he was. What a God he is. Jesus, the oldest child of a single parent family. Some of you are single parents here. God, you are close to his heart. He delayed his purpose because he had to honor his responsibility. What a man. What a God. They say that when you're trying to pick, ladies, they say when you're trying to pick a husband, they say, watch how he treats his mother. Have you seen, have you heard that? How he treats his mother is how he's gonna treat his wife. Jesus treated his mother the same way he treats his church faithful, committed, and loyal. You wanna know how someone's gonna treat their wife? Watch how they treat their mother. Jesus treated his mother with loyalty, commitment, responsibility, and respect. And that's how he treats his bride, the church today. He's committed to you, he's loyal to you, he's faithful to you. His responsibility trumped his desires. We live in a culture where if it feels good, do it. It's about your purpose and your dreams and your desires and your goals and your job. And Jesus modeled his responsibility, trumped his desires. His season of deposit set him up for a season of reaping. We call it the church. All the power of a season of deposit. The only control you have of what grows in your life tomorrow is what you plant today. Did you hear that? The only control you have over what grows in your life tomorrow is what you plant today. That's a biblical truth. Whether you are a a generous person or a stingy person, the truth is the only thing you can guarantee about tomorrow, what happens, is what you plant today. Matthew 13, I want to read a few verses, and we're going to unpack this and have some coffee and go home. But in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 1, Jesus is telling a story about the sower and the seed, about a season of deposit. Here's what he says in verse 1. He goes on and tells a story. and goes down in verse 3. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. The other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. They didn't have deep roots, and they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and." The thorns choked out the tender plants. Verse 8, still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much had been planted. Anyone who has ears, let him hear. In this season of deposit in your life, I want to encourage you that your future is determined on the season you're in right now. Right now. Moms, dads, teenagers, singles. What you're doing today will determine what your life looks like tomorrow. There's great responsibility and, I think, great joy in knowing that truth. Number one, you need to know in this story and in a season of deposit, you need to know there's three factors. Number one, seed. Seed. you got to have seed. Seed equals what? It's what you're sowing. Seed. Seed is important in a season of deposit. God gave the seed. He gave Jesus. And he saw a return of many kids By depositing his son, he saw the church. He saw us come back to him. Mary, what was her seed? What was her what? She gave her body, her future, her dreams. Why? She harvested, she raised a savior. She gave her body, but she raised, she harvested a savior. A seed is more than a seed. I had this apple here, and you need to know today, a seed is more than a seed. See, anybody can count the seeds in an apple. If I was to cut this open today, there might be five, six seeds in there. Anybody can count the apple, the seeds in an apple. But who can count the apples in a seed? See, a seed is more than a seed. So you take this and cut it apart. You can say there's five seeds, but how many apples are actually in a seed? Because you take a seed and you plant it and it grows a tree. How many apples are on that tree and how many seeds are in each apple? And then those apples have seeds and those seeds get planted and put more trees and more apples. Any man can count the seeds in an apple. But no one knows the potential of how many apples are in a seed. See, a seed is more than a seed. You need to know that today. The Christmas carol, do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? I don't know if you understand the power of your life right now, the seed in your life. Don't know if you understand the power. A job is more than a job. Your purpose will outlive you and outgive you. Some of you just see a job, going to work tomorrow. A job is more than a job. A seed is more than a seed. A dollar is more than a dollar. Money is seed. Where you plant will determine where it grows. If you plant it in addictions you'll reap destruction. If you plant it in savings, you'll reap security. If you plant it in God, you'll change the world. An hour is more than an hour. Doretta and Phil on our team, Doretta's on the worship team and and, and prayer, and Phil's one of our board members. It's amazing that they're in charge of our pre-marriage counseling. In fact, really our counseling, if you have an area of life you need counseling, pre-marriage, post-marriage, if there's uh, different counseling, we have uh, professional counselors, but one person that leads that up in our church is Doretta and Phil. You know what's amazing is they understand that an hour is more than an hour, that you give an hour to a couple getting married and and walk through communication skills and budgeting skills and conflict management and goals. They know an hour is more than an hour. Why? Because an hour before you're married will actually reap in decades of healthy marriage and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Why? Because an hour is more than an hour. Our Nova Kids ministry, an hour and a half is more than an hour and a half. Sometimes they're like, it feels like six hours in there. But you drop your kids off there, it's more than just an hour and a half. An hour and a half sets these kids up with the values of the Bible, of God's presence, that God loves them, God has a plan for them, that God wants to use them to reach the world. And an hour and a half on a Sunday morning is more than an hour and a half. It sets them up for a lifetime of health, spiritually, relationally. It's more than an hour. An hour is more than an hour. The innkeeper saw a baby. Herod saw a rival. But heaven saw a savior. A seed is more than a seed. Do you see what I see? Your life is more than just nine to five. It's more than just the 30 years, 60 years, 80 years you have in your life. It's more than that. A seed is more than a seed. What's the seed you have in your life right now? Time. It's your focus, your attention. It's more than just time. It's more. There's potential in your time. It's your heart. It's your passion, your emotions. That's the seed you have to plant today. It's your finances. Seed is more than a seed. Number two, in a season of deposit, it's not just about the seed. it's about the ground. Where? It's where you plant. It's the ground. God, the ground he planted in was the Jewish people. That's where he planted his seed. For Mary, it was her home. She planted, she, she planted, she used her body, she planted in her home. God the Father chose Mary because she was pure in body and in heart. It wasn't because she was a virgin physically, it's because of her heart and character. Location matters. It's the number one rule in business. The first lesson in business is location is everything. If you invested $1,000 in Apple, the business iPhones and iPads. If you invested $1,000 in Apple in 1980, I looked this up, you know it would be worth today? $500,000. If you invested $1,000 in BlackBerry, today it would be worth $1,000 in regret. <laughs> Location matters. You can't sow to one area and expect to harvest somewhere else. You can't simply sow to your job and expect to reap a healthy family. Moms, dads, you got to hear that. No one ever says on their deathbed, I wish I had more time at the office. Someone go get my briefcase. People say this sometimes, you know, expectations of great relationships without investing in them. It's foolish. The Bible says to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. You have to invest in friends to reap friends. Some people say, well, maybe this is not a friendly church, but yet they've never gone to a Nova group or they've never stayed for coffee or they've never invited anybody out for lunch. Investment. A season of deposit. Matthew 13 talks about four types of ground the what, the where, the the ground in your life. Four types of ground, I'm gonna go with them quickly. Number one is a footpath, which means it's hard ground. Is your hard heart today? When we talk about relationships, do you get hard? When we talk about your talents, when we talk about money, do you get hard today? It's a hard ground, means things can't grow there. Second type of ground was shallow ground, when it looked good, it smiled, it said the right things, but there was no depth of character, no depth of spirit. There was no quality, no depth to them. Show up and smile at work. Show up and smile at home, but you're not there. You're there, but you're not really there. There's no depth at home. There's no depth at church. There's no depth at work. You haven't invested there. You say the right things. You punch the clock at home. You punch the clock at work. I want to encourage you that shallow ground, things can't grow long. The third one was among thorns. And the fourth ground was a fertile soil, the right location with the right ingredients. Let me ask you today, where are you investing the seed in your life? Your time, your talents, your finances, your relationships. Where are you the most? If people are going to try to find you, where are you the most? What do you think about the most? When you have a moment, where is your mind most at? Where do you spend most of your stuff? That's the ground you're investing in right now. Where you're at the most, what you think about the most, where you spend the money. That's the ground you're sowing in. Let me ask you today, is it good ground? Is it good ground? Third thing in a season of deposit, it's not only the seed, which is what? It's only the ground where Number three, it's care. It's how. It's how you deposit. God trusted the seed to Mary and Joseph. It's interesting that he chose them not just because she was going to give birth to a son, but they were actually going to raise the son. He understood, I can have the right seed in the right location, but if I don't take care of it, it won't last long. There's this whole thing, we're going to talk about it next week, where they had to run for their lives in a season When there's there's conflict, when there's destruction, when you have to defend what's in your life, and they ran to Egypt, if they didn't give it to the right people, it says Joseph was listening to God, and God said, you need to leave here. Why? Because he knew he wasn't just birthing a son. They were going to raise a Savior. You don't have to give a seed to the right seed in the right place. You have to take care of your seed. Mary wasn't only chosen because of her health physically. She wasn't a surrogate to just give birth to Jesus and give him back. She just didn't give her womb, she gave her plans. She gave her heart, she gave her future, she gave her parenting, she gave her discipline. She gave her life to this thing, to care for it. She wasn't just to be Jesus' mom. To be Jesus' mom, she also had to, it was her culture he was going to adapt. It was her discipline, her values, her care. Matthew 12, 7 says this, when we just read, that some of the seed came among thorns. Which means it wasn't farmed, it wasn't weeded, it wasn't cared for. I wrote this down. I thought it was key today for my life and maybe yours. How you care for what you deposit determines what you harvest. Sometimes you wonder, man, I gave to the church or I gave to that person or I gave, my, I gave relationships or I, I thought I married the right person and we have these kids or I'm working. I think I'm at the right job and it's the right seed in the right place. But if you don't care for it, it's actually destructive. See, the seed fell in the right ground. It was not, no problem with the seed. It was in the right place, but because the farmer didn't get rid of the thorns and the weeds, you can have the beautiful seed on your lawn. You can have the best topsoil in your neighborhood. But if you don't take care of your lawn, those demons called dandelions will take over. And so many times we deposit the right seed in the right place because we don't care for our hearts, our minds, our emotions. Our relationships, our attitudes—we wonder why thorns want to choke it out. Well, I was welcome there, but now I don't feel like I fit. I used to give, but now I just feel like, hmm, I don't know if I want to give there. I deserve more for myself. i, I used to be open to new people relationally and come over to my house, but now I don't know. I just—I just need a break. And things start to choke it out. Sowing without tending is inviting crop failure. How's your heart today? Are you jealous? Are you jealous of somebody? In your area of influence? Are you offended? Are you offended? Or something someone said or didn't say or didn't invite you to or didn't invite you to? Are you offended? Are you afraid? Are you cynical? <laughs> Cynic someone? Oh? always looking for the hidden meaning, always wondering what the real motive is. I'd rather be a cheerleader than a cynic. Don't let thorns choke out what you've planted today. I remember being a teenager and I heard this story about a man that was crossing the Great Sahara Desert. Somewhere along the way, he got lost. What was supposed to be a three-day trip, and he had enough water and supplies, turned into four or five, a week, week and a half. At one point, he's out of water. He's near death, and he's walking through the desert, and he's he's realizing these are his last, probably hours on earth. And the, his tongue is sw- swollen up, and his body was shutting down, starting to hallucinate. And off in the horizon, he sees a mirage, or he thought it was a mirage. As he gets closer, it was actually real. It was this this little well and this pump on top of the well that the locals that used to travel had built it there. He walks up to the pump and he starts pumping on the well and no water comes out. His hopes were high. He started screaming with delight. His mouth swollen, the blisters, the the sunburn. And in a moment, delight turned into despair as he realized no water came out. He fell to his knees and thought, what a a cruel moment this was. And right beside the well, there was this little steel jar. And he picked it up, and quickly he could tell there was liquid inside of it. He opens the top and there's this water in this little jar. And then there's this note on the outside. It said this: if you found this, you're probably thirsty. Don't drink this water you need to take this water and pour it into the pump to prime the pump. If you'll take this water and put it into the pump, it'll prime the pump and you'll have all the water to fill all the bags and all the bottles and you'll have more than enough. But if you drink it, you won't have enough to get to the next stop. It's three days. So no matter how thirsty you are, don't drink it. Deposit it into the well. The man sat there for a moment going, I'm so dying of thirst, I need something on my lips. I need to, it's the perfect amount. I just, I need to put this off just for a moment. I need to get through today. I can't worry about tomorrow. And this jar is promising tomorrow if you follow the instructions. It says he poured the water into the well and they started pumping and nothing, and nothing. And they started to hear something. He started to feel a vibration. And sure enough, then water started pumping out of this thing and he filled his mouth and he filled his his stomach and he filled his jars and his bottles and then he filled up that jar again and put the top back on it and put it right beside the well knowing someone else is going to need that. My friends, I want to encourage you today. The Bible says a season of deposit. And you can use all your time, all your talents, all your heart for you right now. You'll have enough to maybe get through this week or this year or this life. But the Bible promises not just enough for you, but legacy for your children and grandchildren. That your marriage will be an example to your great-grandchildren. That your singleness, the purity and passion and purpose on your life will be an example to many. That your finances will go beyond just a season. That your spirituality be more than just coming to a church they will tell stories about your faithfulness. That an hour was more than an hour. That a dollar was more than a dollar. That a talent was more than a talent. Because my parents sowed and my grandparents sowed. We have a church and we have health in our family and we have things that we're proud of. And let me ask you today, where are you depositing your life? Because what you deposit today is what you'll reap tomorrow. All over this place, let's stand to our feet as we close today. Can I challenge you today? To expect a harvest without sowing seed isn't faith, it's foolishness. But today there's seed in your life. Some of you used to walk out this door and spend five extra minutes meeting someone you haven't met before. You don't know that seed's more than a seed. That coffee's more than a coffee. You don't know who needs it today. That dollar is more than a dollar. We have plans for this church. We have building plans. We have helping the poor plans. We wanna make a difference in the marginalized, the up and atoms and the down and outs. We have plans today, dollars more than a dollar, your talents. We need more people on this worship team. We need more people in our production, in our kids' ministry. Why? Because an hour and a half is more than an hour and a half. One of the men in this room that's changed my life more than anyone else. He's not a musician or a preacher, he was a Sunday school teacher. He changed my life in Sunday school. I am, he is reaping as his pastor what he deposited into a young man in Sunday school. An hour is more than an hour. Where are you depositing your life today? Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for this church. God, in this season, we understand that we're in a season of sowing, a season of depositing. God, I pray we'd be generous with our time generous with our love and our hearts generous with our talents, generous with our finances that God, when we keep it, it's all we have but when we give it, God, you multiply our time, our talents, our heart and our money God, I bless this church That church, some of you you're like, "I, I don't know God, I haven't given my life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ you deposit your life you say, God, I trust you with my life, he gives you forgiveness, he gives you eternal life you can know that if you died one minute from now that you're right with God. There's no guessing game where you go. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you're saved. It means that when you die now or 80 years from now, to close your eyes here is the to open it into the face of God. That's the promise we have. It also promises that he's with you now and forever. Give your life to Christ. On our own, my life is a mess, but with God, it's a life of purpose. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I haven't given my life. I haven't deposited my life, my mess, my pain, my shame, my past. I've never done this before, but I want to start in this season of deposit. I want to give the best gift of all. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give him my past, but also give him my present. I want him to light up my future. I give him my whole life. If that's you, with every head bowed, just for a moment. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. One two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. Put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put it right back down. So many people today, in a season of deposit, you cannot give God. You give Him your life. He gives you forever. Amen? God, let's pray together. Father, thank you for these people right now. Just raise their hand. God, we commit to you. We give you our mess, our pain, our past, our talents, our joys, our victories. We give you all that we are. And God, you promise to forgive us, to become close to us. We believe now in our heart. We even say it with our mouth. We need you, God. You are God. Would you draw close right now and do a miracle in their lives? Come into their lives. Forgive them for their sin. Renew a relationship with you. May this be the best season of their lives ever. As they deposit their life in you, may they reap eternal joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you.